Welcome back to the Diet Doctor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brett Schur. Today, we have a real treat. We're joined by Dr. Andreas Einfeld, the diet doctor himself, the man who took diet doctor basically from as a solo primary care doctor in Sweden to creating a, a blog in Swedish, to creating a website in Swedish, to then growing it into a 60-person company that has become the leading online source for low-carb and keto information, and now transitioning to the leading source for healthy weight loss uh, information in general. And it, it, it's really interesting to have this discussion with Andreas to talk about sort of the, the evolution of Diet Doctor and how that has gone with the evolution of nutritional science. And nutritional science is complex, and we've talked a lot about it before, um, but we have to sort of balance the what does the science say works? What do we, what does science say about how it works? And then what is that individual personal experience? And those sort of three points of trying to find what diet works. And we can't say one diet works for everybody, right? There's this, there's this mix of the general concepts of, of what works in nutrition and what works for individuals and addressing hunger and addressing satiety, um, and addressing the emotional part and sticking to the science and all that coming together and how this has led to sort of a, an evolution uh, in Diet Doctor. And you know the initial, the initial tagline for Diet Doctor was making low carb simple. And there's nothing as, as simple as lower your carbs and eat more fat, but it gets more complicated than that because we have to admit that nutrition isn't simple and people aren't simple. So still trying to keep the message simple, but keeping it accurate uh, and as helpful as possible. So, so we talk a lot about that um, in this, in this interview. And, you know, some of the things we talk about, uh, we talk about more deeply in episode 69 of the podcast, when I interview Andreas and Adele Haidt and Francisca Spritzler about sort of the protein message and the satiety message and what the science says. So if you're interested in more details about that, please go back and listen to episode 69. But for this episode, let's get into these details and hear from the man himself, Dr. Andreas Einfeld. Andreas, well, welcome back to the Diet Doctor podcast. I'm excited for you to join me today. Well, thank you, Brett. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, I think it's great that we take this opportunity to sort of look back at the past of Diet Doctor, sort of how Diet Doctor has gotten to where we are today and where we're going in the future. And I think this information will really help people understand more about our message and more about how we're trying to help them. So so let's just jump right in and, and talk about your beginnings in Diet Doctor. And I think it's such a great story. I mean, anytime like one doctor can can change their life and develop a company like this, to me is fascinating. So let, let's hear a little bit about your path and what led you from being a family doctor in Sweden to say, I think there's more I can do here. Give us a little of the backstory. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, obviously now it's, uh, it's a, a lot of people, there's a lot of people involved. Uh, we're like 60 people in the company now, so I can't take credit for much of what goes on anymore. But but back uh, back a long time ago, it was basically just me. So sure, I mean, I started out, as you said, as a, a family doctor. I, I got really obsessed about lifestyle and, and diets specifically and health because when we're in med school, you know, we have, uh, you know, we had perhaps one week of, of nutrition training and right. we didn't learn much of, of value, I would argue. And, and yet when, when you work as a, as a family doctor, you're, you're meeting all these people all the time with type 2 diabetes, hypertension, obesity, etc. It's like a big part of what you do. And it, 
just became clear that um, the advice we're giving to people may not be the best. You know, so I read a bunch of books. I read a lot of studies. Uh, you know, basically pointing to the fact that you know, if you reduce the sugar intake, the carbohydrate intake, then all these things can improve. And and you know, when I started doing that with patients, it it really was a transformational moment for me because, you know, I'm used as we're used to as, as doctors to just you know, people come in and and they may need medication for high blood pressure or type two diabetes, etc. And you know, these are not medications that just you know you you. You take them for 10 days like an antibiotic and then the problem is gone and you know everything is good. No, it's like you, you take them for life and uh, next year you're probably going to increase the dose and uh, add another medication perhaps. So the, the, the spectacular thing when you know, I managed to empower some people to, to change their diets is that something entirely different happens, right? People come back you know, and uh, blood... Sugar used to be super high, perhaps, and now it's normal. Blood pressure used to be high, and now it's normal. It's like, wow, and they're lost weight, and they're happy, and they're smiling and saying, you know, why did nobody tell me this before? And, you know, started bringing me gifts. And, you know, it's just uh, uh, a great, great thing. But there, uh, as you know, there are two big problems with this. And, and uh, the first problem is that it takes a lot of time and passion to do this as a doctor. Most doctors don't have the time or the resources the system isn't set up you know for that you have five or ten minutes and then the other problem is even even if you do that then you know it's not scalable you know you try to help one person at a time you never make a dent in these numbers so yeah because of that i started a website a blog um in swedish and um yeah it took off you know a lot of people found it helpful and became the biggest health blog in sweden uh, within a year wrote a book that became a best bestseller and then just snowballed from there, I guess. You know, this website became more popular, hired some freelancers, built a sort of subscription service for some more premium content, got real revenue and started hiring full-time people to to help develop it. And yeah, here we are, you know, today, uh, 14 years later, I guess, you know, just step-by-step step, bootstrapped all the way here. So yeah, it's been an exciting journey. I mean, that's a great answer and, and an answer that we hear kind of frequently from people about when they encounter um, the low, specifically a low carb lifestyle change that people say, why have no one never told me this before? And you see, you see things as a practitioner that you've never seen before about taking people off of medications and seeing their improvement. So, so you then sort of jumped in um, to low carb head on and, and made your website uh, the the biggest and most popular low carb website kind of in the world, and what was that trajectory like for you as you're going through this process of of spreading the message of low carb, um, specifically like how did you see the landscape of low carb change during that time frame? Yeah, I mean it sounds like it's just this this quick thing, but of course the reality is <laughs> this long journey of you know I guess lots of mistakes and you know, uh, things that didn't work out and then trying to improve and learn and do things better. I mean, this was over years and years and years, really. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a learning journey. Um, it's learning what works, learning how to make it simpler for people to implement this kind of thing in their lives, because it's not simple, right? People come from a position where, you know, and, and the same is, tr is true for me. 
where you know you have a certain idea about what is healthy food it's you know low fat foods and you know vegetables and fruits and whole grains and you know these are the ideas i guess we most people have had at least at some point uh, uh if they don't still have it so going from there to a lower carb diet that is perhaps higher in fat and even higher in saturated fat and and, and lower in in whole grains i guess it it takes some time to get used to that idea and and try it out and see if it works for you so yeah i mean this is something i did over many years myself i suppose you know going to like a less sugar less processed carbs you know low glycemic index diet and then saying okay maybe maybe actually even add some fat and then maybe actually even you know saturated fat may not be something to worry about and yeah so it takes time and helping to guide people on that journey a little bit faster and make it a little bit simpler and faster is i guess what we try to do here with our website and services Right, and so, and that's the tagline, making low-carb simple, right? That's a big part of Diet Doctor's message. And on the one hand, it is complicated. It's hard to, um, for some people to get rid of the carbohydrates and to get rid of the sugars and hard for them to add fat, at least initially, sort of cognitively, it can be difficult. But the message is still pretty simple. Reduce your carbs, increase your fat. It doesn't get much more simple than that from a message standpoint. And initially for a lot of people, that works wonderfully. Uh, but it seems like the the trend in keto has sort of changed over time, um, and Diet Doctor has, has adapted to that change. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the progression of just lower your carbs, eat more fat, to the message getting maybe not quite as simple, but following following the science, following the clinical experience to help more people. So tell us what you see about that trend over time. Yeah, I'm not sure it's so much about uh, following a trend. It's more like following the science and following the best available experience about what what works, right? And sure, you could say that, oh, it's a beautiful, simple message to say, just eat fewer carbs and more fat. Well, what if it doesn't help people to optimize their results? What if people get stuck in a weight loss plateau or, or, you know, they don't really get the results that they want? then it's not so simple, right? Uh, so I don't think it's about making the message as simple as possible. It's, it's, uh, it's making, making it as simple as possible to get the results that people are looking for. I think clearly in hindsight, uh, with the low carb and keto movement, uh, may have gone a little bit too far into the sort of high fat territory uh, if, if we're supposed to stay in alignment with the best available research, especially in the last few years with, uh, with the studies coming out. I mean, I, I certainly come from the sort of carbohydrate insulin model framework of, of thinking where, you know, carbs raise insulin. That is what drives uh, fat storage and therefore, you know, lower carbs is always better and increasing fat doesn't seem to be a, a big concern from that model. But I think that that model isn't that that model is kind of flawed and it's perhaps not the best framework to to look at the situation through for example you know if you're um if you're looking at all the the studies that show that uh, a low carb diet works wonderfully for a lot of people for a lot of 
metabolic problems. What you see is that in these studies, pretty much universally, they also increase the protein amount. You know, if you remove most carbohydrates from from your food, you tend to eat more of protein-rich foods such as, you know, meat, fish, eggs, uh, etc. So it becomes a bit challenging to say, you know, is this effect all due to reducing carbs or is it for increase from increasing fat or is it from increasing protein? Can't really say from those studies. And then there are a number of studies pointing to the fact that maybe increasing protein is actually a key part of why low carb works so well for a lot of people. And if that's the case, then then the message maybe has to be tweaked a bit to make it as effective as possible for as many people as possible. Yeah, so now all of a sudden you're introducing quite a bit of nuance and some people would say complexity into the message. But I get your point, right? If that's what it takes to help people succeed the most, then it makes sense. That's what the message should be. And if that's what the science reflects, then that's what the message should be. But it seems like, especially with nutrition, people are in their camps, right? You mentioned the carbohydrate insulin model. So you're either in the carbohydrate insulin model camp or you're in the calories in, calories out camp. With keto, you're either in the high fat camp or you're in the PE diet, high protein camp. And it seems like there's been sort of this uh, polarization of beliefs. And I'm sure you've seen that transpire over the years that you've been involved in this. What, what are your thoughts on that type of polarizing uh, society or polarizing situation in nutrition? Yeah, I think it's super interesting to uh, to reflect on. You know, we humans, you know, I certainly include myself in that sort of group. Uh, we have this tendency to, like you said, we belong to a camp and we're, it's almost like we're, we're cheering for our own team. It's like a team sport in a way. But that's not the way science is supposed to work. You know, with, with a scientific mindset, you're supposed to say, you know, hey, I could be wrong about this. Maybe there is something I don't know. And other people may be wrong as well. Let's look at the data. Let's do experiments and, and look at the results and see, okay, maybe we can learn something new here. And, and I think that's the mindset that we should approach this way, the scientific mindset. And then, you know, if you find out that actually the carbohydrate insulin model is flawed, uh, just like the calories in, calories out model might be oversimplified and not really helpful for, for you know, guiding people's lifestyles, then, then you need to learn and adapt, right, your message. Right. Even if it means that you're now no longer perfectly in alignment with some team of some kind on Twitter. I, yeah, I try not to care too much about that, actually. Looking yeah. for the truth, right? Uh, or at least uh, to get close. You, the truth is unattainable, you know, this perfect thing that you can never really get to. But you can at least aim to get closer to it over the years. Yeah. And it's interesting the way you said it, though, that the carbohydrate insulin model is flawed. Not that it's dead, not that it's wrong, not that it's just something we should completely ignore, but it's flawed. It doesn't explain everything about weight loss. It doesn't explain everything about how and why low carb works. So I get from your answer that you think there's still a component there that is important. Carbohydrates and insulin matter, but it's not sort of the end solution. Is that what you mean by when you say it's flawed? Yeah, I wouldn't go so far. Some people call it that. I think that's uh, overstating it probably. There, I think there's probably value in it. It's just uh, 
it doesn't fit all the data. It, it, you know, it doesn't really tell you what you need to know in every situation. Right. So I think that's important. Again, that's the nuance and the complexity that makes the message not quite as simple, but it makes it on the path to being sort of more accurate. I mean, like, for example, for example, I mean, there's so many examples, but for example, yeah, the carbohydrate insulin model would predict that people who eat a lot of carbs, they should have a, a, they should struggle with maintaining a good body weight. But in fact, there are many, many, you know, different people who eat a very high carb diet and they're super lean and super healthy. You know, certainly a lot of groups of people, you know, Kitavans, etc. But also like uh, fitness professionals, some of them eat very high carbohydrate diets and they're super lean, super healthy, um, at least metabolically. So, yeah, those are some examples. And then, then you have a, a bunch of studies uh, in the last few years where, you know, higher carbohydrate diets do not necessarily lead to loss of fat compared to lower carbohydrate diets. So it's, uh, it's not the perfect model for sure. It doesn't fit all the data. Right. right, right. And it makes sense. The quality of the carbs, the, the rest of your lifestyle, how you live the rest of your lifestyle, and sort of your baseline insulin resistance, genetics, everything gets boiled into one package that you can't just sort of simplify to one, one, uh, <laughs> one approach. But then this brings up another topic though, because we're, you know, you're following the science, um, you're following the studies, but at the same time, it seems like if you, if you rely too much on the science, you can totally disregard the personal experience that so many people have had. And that's an interesting balance to try and do to say, we're following the science, but at the same time, honoring people's personal experience yeah. and understanding that different people react in different ways. Yeah. So tell us how you sort of think about that. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's an interesting topic. Read it in a, uh, recently in a book by Nassim, Nassim Taleb, uh, Anti-Fragile. He has this very interesting story, actually, about low-carbohydrate diets. He, he's a, uh, he, he's a, f- a philosopher of, of probability research, etc. He's not a, a diet guru, but it, he's interested in that. But the, the point he's trying to make is that there is a very there is a clear difference between people's experiences of a diet, for example, and the sort of theoretical explanation that we use to try to explain why it works. So, for example, right. low-carb diets have been used for 150 years successfully by you know millions and millions and millions of people. People get less hungry. People lose weight effortlessly without counting calories. I mean, that's something real. It's very robust. That effect is there. You know, something makes it so that low-carb diets work. It's probably going to keep being the case, you know, 10 years from now, low-carb diets will still work. 50 years from now, they will still work. But the explanation we use to try to explain why they work, that explanation can be quite fragile, meaning that, you know, new science might show that actually this theoretical explanation doesn't fit the data anymore. And then the model may have to be updated doesn't mean that the diet doesn't work. It just means that the explanation of why it works wasn't quite, well, it was flawed. So yeah. I'm still as confident as ever that low-carb and keto diets can be very effective for a lot of people to lose weight, eating foods that a lot of people feel are uh, delicious and satiating and just, you know, sustainable and, and great. So they are a valuable tool to use. For the right person.
Definitely. Right. I think that's a great point to point out the the difference between that that it works and why it works are two completely different questions and require different studies and different interpretation of the literature. And you know, it's interesting as on this podcast we've interviewed quite a few um, different clinicians taking care of patients and a lot of them sort of come to the conclusion that, look, I don't really care so much why it works. I care that it works so that I can use it with my patients. So as a, as a website, as one of the leading sites for um, low-carb and metabolic health and healthy weight loss, do you feel like you have to balance that message of that it works and why it works and kind of, I don't know, prioritize them in terms of what you're trying to help people with? I'm, I'm hopeful that it's possible to do both to say that, hey, this works, this is a proven method, lots of people really enjoy eating this way, and here's how to do it. It doesn't mean, I think, that you have to buy the explanation model that some people use to explain it if there is a better one. So I'm hopeful that it's possible to do both. And you know, you, you might say, well, who cares why it works, if it works? Well, I think it matters because if you understand if you, if you have a better model to explain why it works, then when people don't get the results they are hoping for, then you have a better ability to say, okay, let's tweak it like this to make it work even better. Let's say people get, on a, get to a weight loss plateau. If you have a flawed uh, understanding of why it works, then you may not be able to get past that. But if you if you understand more closely, more more in line with the best evidence uh, why it works, then, then maybe you can make small tweaks that are you know, actually going to get you to your goals in the most, possible, most enjoyable way possible, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it does matter. It does help the clinician and the individual to know why it works as best you can to help make those adjustments. That makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And then I think you know, what it comes down to when it comes to keto and low carb, the most common mistake that I think people do, well, it's a mistake if, if you're struggling with losing the weight that you want to lose or, or improving your metabolic health as much as you want to. I think for a lot of people, it comes down to uh, the amount of added fats. If mm -hmm. you're adding a lot of, you know, bulletproof coffee and a lot of, you know, added oils, uh, to your foods, you're eating high fat dairy and you're eating lots of nuts, which are, you know, high in, in fats, then that may slow down your progress and possibly reducing that a bit might, you might still be able to enjoy delicious foods, but you, you might also get better results. So that's, I think one mistake people can do because if you think that fat is kind of free food and you know doesn't raise your insulin so it doesn't matter then that might be misleading and might be might be holding people back yes yeah, so that's a great transition because now the message at diet doctor which let's be honest you know initially um, was sort of eat as much fat as you want, right? That was a lot of what was on the website. And then adjusting to science and adjusting to clinical experience, now to the coming to the present, sort of transitioning to this message that you just said, well, you can overeat fat, so you do have to be wary of adding too much fat. Do you think that that serves to confuse some people? Or, you know, some people say, well, wait a second, you know, I thought keto was just lower your carbs, eat as much fat as you want. Now you're complicating it, saying fat is bad or I can't eat fat. So 
what, you know, what have you seen about reactions to this sort of um, slight alteration in message? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are some reactions like that, and I can I can see how it can be a bit confusing coming from uh, one thing and then tweaking the message a bit. Uh, to be clear, I'm not saying fat is bad, and you know, if people are getting the results that they that they want, eating as much fat as they want, then you know, by all means, keep doing it. It's all it's all good. I mean, fat can be delicious and satiating and you know it's more like if you're not getting the results that you want maybe if you want to do something more then maybe tweaking the amounts of fat down a bit and perhaps increasing the protein amount a bit can be a, be a viable option again you know if you if you're happy with your old keto diet by all means keep doing it I have no objections. I think it's fine. You know, I, I'm not saying fat is dangerous or bad if you're getting the results you want. Just that it's not free in the sense of, of weight loss. It's not like you can eat any amount and it doesn't, doesn't uh, impact weight results because it, it does. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. And I, I, I use the words fat is bad in the question more as sort of like to set you up for that because I, I agree, it's not as well. And I, so I like the way you, you made that um, differentiation because I think that's important. Yeah, you might also say, you know, some people need fat depending on, on who you are. If you're at a, a good weight and health and you're an active person, you know, maybe you need that fat to have the energy that you need and be satiated and, and you know, be able to go uh, a long time between meals. I mean, these are all good things. So I'm certainly not coming out saying fat is bad. I'm just saying if someone is struggling with getting the results for you know health and weight that they want, then this is another lever to consider. That's all. So, so here's maybe a little more challenging question. I don't know, but it, maybe you know, five years ago, Diet Doctor was clearly a keto website. Is Diet Doctor currently a keto website? I think uh, we're a low-carb website. We try to be the best resource in the world for information and tools and recipes and meal plans, et cetera, et cetera, for, for everything low-carb. And that includes keto, absolutely. But it also yeah. includes, you know, slightly higher-carb options, like, you know, maybe 80 grams a day, 100 grams a day, higher-protein, moderately low-carb diets. Basically, Diet Doctor is for everything low carb. You know, how can someone who comes to the site understand, should I do a keto diet? Should I do a hundred gram carb diet? Should I do a high protein diet? Because again, if we get back to making the message simple, you know, we, I, we have to be honest, nutrition isn't simple. So what are, what can we do? What is Diet Doctor doing to try and help people understand where to start if they're confused? So we have personalized meal plans. You know, you can answer a survey on our website and, and get a suggestion for what we think could be a good option for you. We also have a lot of guides. Uh, I, I know you're, you're writing one as we, as we speak to, <laughs> to guide people in this. I think we're going to build even better tools over time to, to help guide people uh, to make the best choice for them probably a keto diet that is also relatively high in protein might might well be the most effective diet possible for weight loss without hunger however it may also be challenging for some people to do so it, it is going to come down to personal preference to a point like how extreme if you will or how much of a change are you willing to do in the way you eat 
uh, to get the best possible results. Maybe you don't need it. You know, maybe if you're um, you're just trying to lose uh, 10, 20 pounds and and uh, you know reduce your risk of of metabolic disease. Maybe you don't need to go all the way to a keto diet. Maybe just going to you know 50 grams or even 100 grams of carbs would be fine. Maybe you don't have to go to a super high protein, you know, 40% protein diet, maybe 20% is all you need. It is ultimately always going to be a bit about personal preference mm -hmm. and, you know, what people are, are prepared to, to do. So yeah. ultimately you can't really say that there is one diet that is right for someone's health because it's always also going to be about what what do people like to eat? What are, what are they comfortable with? What is What fits their lifestyle, sort of? Yeah, that's such an important point because, again, it goes back to does something work? Why does it work? And something may work wonderfully in a you know controlled metabolic ward for two weeks when all the food is provided to you and you're measuring you know different biochemical changes. But then when you're out in the real world and you have to cook, you have to prepare, you have to enjoy the meal, you have to enjoy the lifestyle, all of a sudden, all those mechanisms kind of go out the window, don't they? Because it really is not going to work if you don't stick to it. So, and that's where we get into these, a lot of these battles, I think, the, you know, the vegan battle, the vegetarian battle, the Mediterranean battle, the, the keto battle. There's so much that the, the people argue about, um, whether it's about the science or, you know, and people have their biases, people have what they enjoy. So how do you simplify that message to, to say, you know, in this, in this complicated world and the conflict that we see on social media, how do you simplify that message to say, you know, find what works for you and stick with it? Yeah, I mean, that is probably true, right? You, you have to, there, have, there has to be some kind of trial and error because it's impossible to say uh, in advance exactly what you're going to enjoy eating for the rest of your life, right? You're going to have to to try some things out but there there are you know some underlying fundamental you know first principles that kind of always apply i would say and you know if you if you reduce the amount of of empty calories in in your food whether especially you know highly processed calories like you know sugar processed carbohydrates and perhaps also you know added pure fats if you reduce that yeah, you're always going to get get closer to a diet that that will allow you to have a good weight and a good health without needing to be hungry or or count calories. You know, if you go to a a diet that is lower in energy density, you know, more fiber, more vegetables, etc., and less less highly processed foods, it's always going to be uh, better from that uh, perspective. If you if you avoid sort of ultra-processed foods that are, are highly uh, rewarding or even addictive, you know, like, you know, donuts and chocolate and ice cream, or at least, you know, <laughs> maybe try some, some better versions of that, then that's always going to be uh, better uh, as well. So, but then, you know, if you want to eat uh, mostly vegetarian or, or some kind of Mediterranean style um, or, or anything else, I mean, those things I think are more people's preferences and, and, and other reasons. You know, people may, may want to be vegetarian for ethical reasons or for any other reason. Maybe they just prefer it. I think those are personal choices 
Yeah, so I guess that's, I'm rambling a bit, but you know, people have to find clearly what works in their life. But there are underlying fundamental principles that can help uh, guide, guide you uh, when it comes to maintaining a good health and, and a good body weight without being hungry, without having to count calories or restrict your food intake just by, by eating better foods. And that's, I think, where we can help out. Yeah, a number of good points there. And, and the key one being all of these diets uh, start with the same principles. You know, all the, the successful diets start with the same principles, just like you're saying. And, and if the majority of the population focus just on those underlying principles, we dramatically improve our health as a population. But then some people are going to gravitate more towards, you could say, the extremes, whether it's keto or whether it's full plant-based or whatever the case may be within those principles based on their based on their taste, based on their you know personal preferences, and also based on some of their underlying health conditions. Because it does appear, you know, maybe uh, a more quote-unquote extreme keto diet might work better for some health conditions, um, you know, whether it's you know bipolar disorder or migraine headaches or you know or type two diabetes on insulin. So some people on the extremes would gravitate towards those, but the majority is just right in that bucket of the of the common ground, sort of like you said. Of course, from our perspective, our, our core competence and where, where we have the most resources and recipes and meal plans, it is you know different kinds of, of low carbohydrate diets. It's not it's not the only way to do it, but it's it's one very effective way, and it's also one very effective way that for a lot of people is very um, enjoyable and delicious. Yeah. So. So I think it's a good good place for us to start, but we're certainly widening kind of our, our options more and more. Yeah, widening our options, but still sticking to that other point that you mentioned that we still have to address hunger. We still have to address satiety. We still have to address the emotional part of, of eating and lifestyles. So what have you seen change in the landscape of nutrition over time as we talk more about that? Because let's be honest, when you go back to the original dietary guidelines, it seems like nobody was talking about that, right? It was just eat this, this is the best diet, and and if you're hungry, deal with it, right? So what have you seen change over time in the landscape of nutrition and how low carb has fit into that? Yeah, I mean, that that's, uh, that's a great question. I, I think that that is why the the calories out, uh, calories in, calories out model is, is so flawed because it doesn't really put the focus where it should be you know you look at at studies showing that you know depending on what kind of macro uh, split that people eat meaning you know uh, carbs and fats and protein there can be so much as you know three times a 3x difference in in how much food you you want to eat so if you're eating you know as much as you want to of of ultra processed fast foods you know very low nutrition very low protein you know basically the donuts the pizza the uh, the ice cream and the you know chocolate, then you're gonna probably eat almost three times more calories on average compared to on you if you go on on the extreme other end, which is like a ultra high nutrition diet with high fiber and low energy density. Basically, you know, chicken breast and broccoli, the stuff that you know the really 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 boring food that that fitness professionals and you know Hollywood actors when they are gonna be superheroes, that's what they eat. So. There is a three x uh, difference there, and if you just talk about calories, you completely miss that picture. Yeah. But if you if you go to the extreme end and, and you eat you know salmon and broccoli or chicken breast and broccoli, you don't have to count calories 
I would argue you're you're never gonna be able to eat enough to be become you know gain gain significant weight or at least I challenge anybody to to achieve that I, I think it's almost impossible for but you know if you're if you're only eating ice cream and, and uh, potato chips on the other hand then oh you're gonna have some severe problems no matter how many calories you count how, mu- how much counting you do you're still gonna struggle to maintain your weight probably most people are gonna find it impossible to do so this just goes to show right it, it's not about whether you count calories or not it's about the foods you eat right yeah that makes a lot of sense so so I think we've done a, a good job to this point of talking about the the past of diet doctor, what has what has sort of transformed and transpired to bring us to the present of diet doctor, following the science and following the different um, more nuanced complexities of nutrition science. What do you see as the future of nutrition science of healthy weight loss, and how does diet doctor plan to fit into that future? I think that the future is moving beyond this sort of oversimplified focus on calories in and out. And if you look at these, you know, services for for uh, diets and weight loss and, and uh, apps and so on, they're so, so focused on calories still. I, th- I think that there has to be a, a better support for people to make it simpler to eat good food. I mean, it's such a challenging environment we're in today. If you just eat a little bit of, little bit of everything, you end up with a pretty terrible diet today, uh, unfortunately. And, and, and if you're going to make up for that by counting calories, you're going to be, that's going to be very hard. So anyway, so where I see us, us going is, yes, we want to be the best resource in the world for low carbohydrate diets, but maybe, you know, expanding from that to other kinds of diets, you know, higher protein diets, other diets, be a great tool for people to use in figuring out, you know, what what am I supposed to eat then to be healthy and foods that are simple and fit my budget and that I really enjoy, you know, that is what we're developing more and more tools for. And also, tools for professionals such as you know, doctors, coaches, personal trainers, etc. It is super hard. I know I'm a, I'm a doctor and I know we may have, you know, five or 10 minutes with a patient. It's just almost impossible to effectively support people for this. So we need tools, I think, to leverage, to be able to do that effectively effectively with with patients and clients same for you know coaches and personal trainers etc when it comes to the the diet part so we are developing tools for that and support for that so it's that i think is super exciting yeah that is exciting because i i can think back you know to my medical practice when you're you're in a big group setting but you really have no ancillary support for nutrition uh, for lifestyle changes. You don't have somebody who, who really 
gets it and can spend time with the patients. And so you have to send them somewhere. And the question is, where do you send them? Where do you send that patient to find the best information to help them with that lifestyle that works with sort of your beliefs as a doctor as well and you know is trustworthy? Because let's be honest, there's so much that people can find on the internet where you don't really know where the information's coming from. So I think having that resource as a clinician would have been fantastic for me. So I'm excited to help develop this um, to help clinicians. But what's also interesting is there's a wide variety, right? Now we're seeing these direct primary care practices pop up, which tend to have more of these resources. And we're seeing, you know, nutritionists and personal trainers getting sort of more involved in this. So um, it's interesting to think of the landscape to how to support all of these different um, clinicians and practitioners. So um, I guess I'm not sure what, what the question is other than to acknowledge that there's this wide range out there, but it's great to have a resource that can help all of those different clinicians in some way because they each are going to have different things that they need to reach their clients and help their clients. Because in the end, that's what it's about. It's about helping their clients succeed and helping sort of the clinician do it in a way that is more convenient for them. So, I, I, you know, it's sort of a leading question, but I guess this is part of where Diet Doctor is going to try and develop these tools to help the clinicians in the best way possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it really connects to all the content we already have, all the recipes and meal plans and the personalized meal plans, et cetera, and the tools we have for, for you know, uh, any user, making it possible for these professionals to, to leverage all of that with their clients, with their patients, is is part of it for sure yeah and and part of the message that i think is important to get out there is for the individual to know when they see their doctor their personal trainer their nutritionist their health coach when they see that person to be able to say hey you know check out diet doctor check out what they're doing um you know what what advice would you give people how to sort of explain to their clinician if they're not quite you know, on board with low carb, or they're not quite, they don't quite, you know, they think keto is just a, a fad that, that is going to pass and is dangerous. What advice do you give to the individual to, to talk to their clinician, to sort of get them started and open their mind a little bit about this? Yeah. So we have a, a lot of resources already at Diet Doctor for clinicians, you know, where we go through the science, we, we teach clinicians how to do this in a safe and effective way. We even have CME approved, uh, CME approved course for for doctors, uh, so and we're coming out with a with a a program for for uh, people who want to become better at coaching people in low carb and how to do it uh, effectively and safely. So we're also developing uh, educational material, and we we already have a lot of that. So it's I think it's a good place to start for for doctors. Certainly, I'm not aware of any any place where there is where there are better resources available to, to learn about this from a medical point of view. Yeah, you're, you're talking about all these resources, and there, and there are some, some great resources. And what's interesting, though, is trying to take the resources that can apply to so many people and boil it down to that one individual person and that personalization part of it, um, which it can be challenging, right? Because that's when you get into these these. Uh, more specific questions of, well, should you be eating, you know, low fat dairy or high fat dairy? Should you be uh, eating more carbs? And if you do, do you risk coming out of ketosis? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, you can really get down to some very specific questions that can be difficult to answer with sort of, you know, general guide. So 
How do you see kind of boiling down that general advice to the more specific advice for the individual for these types of questions? Yeah, it's of course challenging to do. I mean, we're, we are going towards more of a, a personalized approach uh, on our website where, you know, based on what people can share with us in surveys, et cetera, we can then provide you know, personalized food and recipe recommendations. Uh, we, we already have personalized meal plans, you know, personalize the, the, the content that we recommend people, uh, also like an onboarding format and, and so on. So, I mean, we're certainly moving more and more towards uh, a personalized approach. But when it comes to, you know, should you eat a, a high-fat dairy or, or not high-fat dairy or even low-fat dairy, I think it, it, that is ultimately uh, the, the, the answer is, unfortunately, it depends, you know. High-fat certainly is fine, you know, and, and if people are, are happy with the way that tastes and the results that they get, then, then maybe that's the place to be if they're struggling with losing weight for example maybe reducing that can be a smart thing to try out to see if if they can enjoy uh, you know a less high fat version of of dairy to see if that can speed up weight loss again it depends and on the other hand if you have someone who is you know healthy and lean and very active then maybe they actually need that energy to feel their best. So maybe in that case, it's a great idea to go with, with the higher fat versions. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, you know, with, when you start promoting low carb foods, keto foods, and one of the main messages is, is high fat is not dangerous. High fat is not bad. But then that can be turned around to saying low fat is bad. And I think if you focus only on low fat foods, then yeah, you might get into trouble because you're going to be hungry and you're going to be sort of you know white knuckling your your willpower so to speak. But it's not that one is good and one is bad. It's like they all play a role. And I think we get into trouble when we polarize and say high fat good, low fat bad, or the 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 opposite. And so that's maybe what the message should be showing, but also can confuse people if they don't sort of get the the granularity of it. I think actually something that I find interesting is that. If you go with a sort of generic low-fat message, you know, fat is bad for you, then maybe the problem with that, or one of the main problems with that, is that it tends to uh, result in people people eating less of very nutritious and and high protein foods, like you you know you eat less meat, you eat less fish, yeah. less eggs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, less less uh, maybe less dairy, and now you you suddenly you know you not only are you eating lower fat, you're also eating way lower. Protein. protein. So I think it is possible to eat a, a good low-fat diet, probably. But but the, the main problem may be that if people just approach the sort of low-fat message as in, you know, these all these foods are dangerous, then, then they get rid of many of the most nutritious foods and they can gravitate towards, you know, sometimes quite, you know, highly processed uh, foods that are very low in nutrition, but but low in fat, you know, and, and if, if that's what you do, I think, yeah, low fat actually probably is bad, right? But if you go to, let's say, you know, you, you eat more vegetables and more, more beans and lentils and that kind of thing, then maybe that's, that's just fine. Yeah, and, and differentiating a complete low fat diet versus low fat foods 
those are two different things as well because low-fat foods can play a role in a high-fat diet even or in a high-protein diet or a low-carb diet. Those low-fat foods mm. can still play a role, and that's very different from, saying a low-fat diet as well. So that, I think that differentiation is important. I think it, it, it again comes down to sort of what what is the kind of explanation model we use here because, yes, a low-fat diet can actually result in eating less nutritious foods and and that you become more hungry and that you you eat actually end up eating worse foods but it doesn't have to it just depends on how you do it and and vice versa a, a low carb diet can often result in and you know indeed this is what studies show usually happens is that people tend to eat more nutritious foods more protein more other nutrients but again that's not necessarily the case. You can also imagine a low-carb diet that is just lots of added fats, you know, bulletproof coffee three times a day. That's a low-carb diet, but probably not a very healthy way to live. So again, it's about how do you eat the, the low-carb diet? How do you eat the low-fat diet? It's just more complex than just saying it's all about low carb high fat or vice versa it's it's not right right and i think that's a great way to summarize it and this has been a great discussion i've really enjoyed talking about all these topics with you and i hope our listeners have enjoyed it as well and and not just to talk about diet doctor and what diet doctor's done but basically how diet doctor has, has fit into the nutritional landscape how it's changed um commitment to science but still commitment to the individual and trying to get that information out there as best we can and although maybe making low carb simple meant one thing in the past uh, and is sort of changing what it means. It's still the idea of finding what works for the individual and doing it in a way that they can, um, that they can sustain and enjoy. And sort of that's a simple message. And then if it's working for your metabolic health to stick with it. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and, uh, and, and share your wisdom. Cause I know our listeners really appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot for, for having me on. And you know, what we do is, it's all about what works really. So following the science is, is, uh, it's about finding what it is that works the best for people and then trying to make that as simple as possible. <laughs>